Taylor Decker's on my All-22 fantasy team. Stop. They don't care. So the strategic component to this game is through the roof. Your predictions, right, your forecasting in fantasy football into how good is this player? This is going to, it's going to change the industry. Yeah. yeah. I moved to the old town where it goes down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. I hold it down. Made myself proud. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the All 22 Podcast. Ray, I'm going to be loud today because I'm in my brother's apartment. It's an empty apartment. I'm dog-sitting for him, and I'm going to take full advantage of it. And uh, yeah, this if, if this looks familiar to anybody, this is where I used to live, where I used to record my podcasts. Now it's my brother's apartment, and I'm taking full advantage of that. Only thing is, his snacks are trash. All he mm. had was chocolate and apples because he's on vacation, mm. so their fridge is like absolutely empty. Uh, definitely need to get him to Trader Joe's or something to get some better snacks in here. All I heard was dog. And our listeners know what happens when there's a dog around and we're recording probably about halfway in every episode. So there's that. You also might be the only person on January 1st that's like, yeah, I want more chocolate. Usually everyone's like, ah, all right, I'm going to stay away from all the, the snacks and the sweets for you know two weeks before they, that just goes away. I eat the apple, like, buddy. Oh, I didn't eat the chocolate. Okay. I eat the apple. It's a new it's year. It's a new me. Complaint. I chose the apple. Okay, good for you. So did that? Isn't that like one of the worst things that's ever happened in human history? Is that someone chose the apple? Isn't that like a thing? Yeah, there's a whole conspiracy. If you have an iPhone, oh, gosh. just just know, just know that you bit the apple too. All right, mm. that's mm. why the logo is what it is. Look into it, people. Mm. If you like conspiracies, Bobby with his tinfoil hat, look into that one. It's a good one. Mm. But everybody, if you made it to champion the championship game, congratulations. We're so proud of you. It is the hardest thing to do in fantasy sports is to make it to the All-22 Championship. So congratulations to all of you. And in a few hours, we will know the winners, right? This is Saturday morning. What day is it? Monday? It is Monday. It is oh not Saturday. It is Monday morning, and we are moments away from knowing who won. And if you were a winner, you're one in, I don't know, 50,000 people. So congratulations. <laughs> Congrats to you. Yeah, yeah. Um it's it's like like Chris said, it's the pinnacle. It is the pinnacle. Championship weekend, all twenty-two championship is is the pinnacle. You made it, uh, put it on your resume, submit it to uh, I don't know who's going to need one of these GMs here coming up. Uh, the the Bears, the Commanders. Uh, I don't know. There's going to be some openings in the NFL, so put it on your resume and and you know it may may luck be on your side. Yeah, I'm going to shout out some of our uh, our friends. So if you haven't yet, you should go to Trophy Smack. And get yourself a sick trophy, uh, maybe a ring, maybe a big-ass trophy for your house. Who knows? Whatever you want. If your wife, your girlfriend, your mom, whoever you're with, will let you have a trophy in the house, God bless. If not, they have some really cool rings. So definitely go to Trophy Smack and check that out. And, Ray, what I really want to know this morning is where's my damn money? Because I'm a winner. Oh, my And uh, I'm pretty sure you're the commissioner that another partner, League Safe. Shout out to League Safe. They're, they're holding the money. I think all Ray needs to do is hit a button. Cause I want mm, my money, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, it's, it's uh, our banks open today. It's January 1st. I'm not sure if banks are open. So you just, you, just get, you have to wait. It's, it's actually wait. a weird funky calendar because I, this is the first time in, I don't know, maybe seven years. I don't know. Maybe the last time that, this, you know, the calendar kind of fell this way that there are no NFL games on Monday. So the week is pretty much over on Monday and not Tuesday morning. Like we're used to. Um, so yeah, you're just, you're going to have to wait. And, you know, with inflation, that money is just losing value by the minute and you just, it's just too bad for you, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Appreciate that, Ray. There are some big games today though. Although there are no NFL games, we have the college football playoffs, which I'm super excited about. Who do you have winning those games? It's going to be, uh, Alabama and then I think Texas, but I think, uh, Washington, Texas can go either way, but I think Alabama pulls it off, uh, coming up here later this afternoon and then Texas, but I'm not quite as confident in that one just cause I think that's a bit, uh, a bit more of a toss up, but it's exciting. Cause this is the first, this is the first time in a while in several years where every finalist of the four in the college football playoff has an opportunity to actually win it all and has a realistic case as to why they could win, you know, the, the, the tournament of four. So it's, it's very exciting. I, I don't anticipate any blowouts like we're, we've, been accustomed to seeing in earlier years in the semifinal round of the playoffs. So 
all in all, it's going to wrap up a really good, fun weekend of, of football starting uh, with Thursday night football early this week through Saturday night football in the NFL, uh, through obviously all the games on Sunday and now the CFP on, on Monday. So it's 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 one of the most it's the coolest week of the year. And it's the last slash first week of the year, as they would have it. Yeah, it's awesome. It's been awesome. There was one game that was pretty insane, and that was the Lions game, right? The uh, That final drive, that two-point conversion, and the refs kind of blew it. Yeah, but the refs blew it before that, too. Uh, they called tripping on uh, Peyton Hendershot of the Cowboys, when in reality it was tripping by Aiden Hutchinson, but they called it on the wrong team, and that would have given the Cowboys an automatic first down on their final possession, which then would have allowed them to just straight run out the clock and the Lions would have never gotten the ball back anyway. So there is that. All right, there is that. I know Derek Oakery's over there now, the freaking Lions Kool-Aid cast, just just probably threw his shoe at the screen or something hearing me say this. But 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 it is true. The refs screwed up. The refs screwed up on the two-point conversion. They also screwed up before that. We're used to refs screwing up. It's just, it's a part of the game and it's the worst part of the game. I absolutely hate it. It's so stupid. Um, but yeah, they, they, they absolutely screwed up. The Lions absolutely did try to make things confusing by having three offensive linemen just kind of huddle around the ref looking all shady when this, when the, the huddle uh, itself was several yards away, right? They had Skipper kind of run in there towards the ref because he had reported eligible like three times previously in the game to try to get the Cowboys conditioned to, oh, 70 is going to be eligible again, right? Trying to obfuscate the fact that this time it was Taylor Decker. Uh, and they ended up confusing the ref. And that's not letting the ref off the hook. It's just it's just what happened. <laughs> and, and um, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. But, again, it's not the only screw-up the refs had that game, right? They also screwed up earlier, which consequentially would have also ended the game. So it so is what it is. Dez caught it. I don't want to hear it. It, <laughs> it happens. Damn Cowboys, man. But I mean, I will say that that's a beautiful thing about the NFL is things typically even out, right? In the end, it even. out. I'm not out. sure that's true, but that's fine. Come on, man. That's a beautiful thing about it. But I will say this too, like the uh, the refs already are banned from the playoffs. And what is I've that, heard is- that is, a thing? That's like official? Yes. That's, and wow. and Goodell apparently is mulling the opportunity to overturn no, the game. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's mulling no, he's not. it. He's mulling it. He's not mulling anything. Mull- he's having he's, an he's apple cider mold- while he he's mulls sitting over on a that pile decision. of cash in his basement on that leather chair again. Just, I'm not even gonna. I, I'm not gonna go any further. That's that's inappropriate. But yeah, no, he's just, yeah, he's not mulling over anything. Okay, he's mm-hmm. there's been just there's been more egregious officiating errors that have literally decided the outcome of games, and nothing has nothing has happened. It's just, it sucks. We need we need like tennis technology. I mean, the whole thing has to be deconstructed. I mean, tennis has the technology where you could tell if the ball was like in or out, like over the line, right? And and we still have the freaking guys with the chain and, and the links. And you had uh, what's his face doing the index card. Remember, it was Cowboys Raiders that Sunday Monday Night Football game with an index card to try to determine if the ball had actually gotten to the first. Like, what are we doing? What is twenty twenty three? It's a beautiful thing about the game. It's My wife, by the way, she she called words. the pylons exclamation points. She didn't know what they were. Oh, she called them exclamation points. So it's basically what they are. And and one thing too, we're gonna. I mean, we have <laughs> we have to talk football, but it, it, it's a rant, right? Like one of the things that really just I don't. It, I would be more. Uh, I don't know if sympathetic is the right word, but to the idea that okay, you know what? Yeah, refs are part of the game. It's it's kind of a it's a human thing, right? It's a human element of the game. It's just a part of it, and you know. Yeah, there's advancements in technology and instant replay and such, but you know, you always want to keep that human element, right? But no, because the human element of the game gave a giant middle finger to every football fan a couple of years ago when they made pass interference reviewable, okay? And then they just made a conscious decision to hardly ever overturn the most egregious obvious errors when when that you know the calls that should have been overturned for pass interference they just blatantly ignored it they either just said nope we're not we're not going to change it everybody on the screen sees clear as day that the call that was initially made was wrong whether it was or was not pass interference and they just decided to not overturn it they just it was just a giant middle finger to the fans the competition committee and everyone else who was literally only trying to make the game you know better 
by making sure that the correct calls were made. And they literally just, they defiantly just told us all to take it somewhere else. And that's where you lose me with the human elements. A robot can take your job and I wouldn't feel sympathy for you whatsoever because at that point you did it to yourself. So Packers legend, Packers legend, Kurt Benkert had a really good tweet. And I feel like it's related to this, even though it's not. He was tweeting about the Russell Wilson situation, which I want to get into now. Uh, But I think it's relevant to this because rumor has it, right, that Russ knew that he was getting benched a long time ago, right? They basically said, you restructure your contract or we're benching you. Um, Essentially also saying to the team and to the Broncos organization that they are trying to tank, right? Like that does not put them in the best place to win if the decision they are making is about money, right? But the issue that we have with that is you legalized gambling. So you cannot just have your NFL owner decide behind the curtains that he's going to just make his, his number one paid NFL quarterback just think that he's losing his job, right? And just make it that the team's not going to be competitive. They're going to try to lose games. That needs to be public knowledge because if you are going to make gambling legal, you can't just be making shady decisions behind the scenes that are money related that if, if the common fan knew these things, right, maybe they wouldn't have made bets that they made, right? So it's kind of this insider trading thing that's happening. And I think the, the, the reviews are kind of part of that, right? It's like what the ref did to the Lions could be conceived as somebody not wanting the Lions to win that football game, right? And if that's the case, something's wrong, right? And that's the, the gambling thing just makes football really, really, uh, like you just can't have decisions like that being made because it just makes it all super questionable. Yeah. And I think that's, that goes to the point where you have to embrace review. You cannot just defiantly say, we're not going to overturn this pass interference call. And then we're just going to remove it from, you know, from the rule book a year later or two years later, whatever it was, because we just feel like it, like because of all the money that is in, in gambling and sports betting, you have to get it right first and foremost with the understanding that yes, there's a human element to this, right? There's going to be blown calls and holding is a judgment call and, and so on and so forth. I think that's, that's baked into the stock price, but when there is, when there are game changing calls or, you know, highly impactful plays like a 45 yard pass interference, just, just get it right. There's the, the, the amount of money that is intertwined between the NFL and all, you know, all major sports and sports betting now really just demands it. And so I, I do, I sympathize with the, with the Vegas angle to this and, and those that, that, you know, have, have money on the line with this stuff because we should be getting it right. It's, I said 2023, I think early in this episode, it's 2024. It's 2024. Now the time has come to just, you know, let's, let's stop the madness. I don't think any of those rules change what happened in, in Dallas with, with the whole Lions two point conversion thing, because at the end of the day, they announced 70 was eligible. So the defense is obviously not going to account for Taylor Decker because they announced that Dan Skipper was eligible. So why would they take anyone and, and, you know, use them to cover Taylor Decker, the left tackle. So um, it's one of those where it's a screw up, but replay wouldn't fix that. Um, But in the majority of other instances, a lot of the time replay can solve these things. And they have just been, uh, reluctant to embrace embrace it or rather defiant to embrace it. And that's just, I, I don't, it's inexcusable in my book. It really is. For, for the game that we love, we just want things to, to be right. And I don't care if the game takes three hours and eight minutes instead of three hours and one minute, if they get it right. Like, oh no, there's seven more minutes of football. Like, are, you, are you freaking kidding me? We're about to go eight, eight and a half months without football here in a few weeks. Like, I don't care if it takes a few more minutes as long as you get it right. Absolutely. Dude, you know how... S- upset Steve probably is. Oh, because Taylor, Taylor Decker's on Salt 22 fan. <laughs> Taylor Decker's on Salt 22 fantasy team, man. Check out the intro, yeah. people. <laughs> All right, dude. Let's get in, let's get into the meat and bones of this podcast, which is talking about the Broncos organization and Russell Wilson, what's happening there. So if you've been living under a rock and you don't know yet, Russell Wilson has been benched. Uh they are starting uh Jared Stidham. And uh, the reason they're doing this is because there's about a $37 million kind of bonus that's on the line here. And I want Ray to explain the financials behind that. But it's essentially saying to Russ, you either restructure your contract or we're benching you. He said, why would I do that? Right. It makes no sense. His money's guaranteed. So he's not. And they're benching him. Um, And it's likely going to lead to him being cut from the Broncos and him becoming a free agent this offseason. So, Ray, tell me a little bit about that contract. Yep. Yeah. So. 
on September 1st of 2022, so heading back uh, about two years now uh, before the 2022 season, Wilson signed a five-year, $245 million uh, contract extension with the Broncos. And th- that, those are the numbers that make headlines, right? The $245 million, five years. But essentially what the contract was, was it was three guaranteed years, okay, 22, 23, and 24, with injury guarantees for 2025, okay? And so uh, that injury guarantee for 2025, there's sort of two aspects to it. If he gets injured, then that money is guaranteed for 2025. If he doesn't get injured, but is on the roster in March of 2024, then the injury guarantee becomes a full guarantee for 2025. So again, if Russell Wilson is on the Denver Broncos roster as of March 2024, in a couple months here, then the 2025 salary would be fully guaranteed. However, prior to that, if in the final couple weeks of the season, Russell Wilson suffers an injury, can't pass a physical, that injury guarantee kicks in right away, and that 2025 salary is guaranteed. Now, with the way things have shaken out, ever since they traded for him, Broncos are 12 and 20. Uh, and uh, the Seahawks, of, of course, if you, ironically, are 17 and 15 since they made that trade uh, on the other end of that deal. Um, so the Broncos didn't want to tie themselves long term to Russell Wilson and that contract. So that is why that was sort of the impetus for their decision to go to Russell Wilson and say, hey, change your contract, but let's restructure your deal or we're benching you because they did not want to risk uh, fully guaranteeing his salary in 2025 because they're already on the books big time for 2024, no matter what. Beautiful. Thank you for wrapping that up so nicely. And just to kind of discuss what Russ has been doing, right? So he has, he was elite for nine years. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. If you had asked me, four years ago, if Russ was going to be a Hall of Famer, I probably would have told you yes, right? Or I did tell you yes, I think, Ray. And you, you since did, you did since tell then, me yes, and I said something back, but yes, continue. Since then, 73.9 grade, 66.2 grade, 77.5 grade this year. Those are not great, right? Those are not Hall of Fame numbers. And this year, he's 19th best in passing grade, 3.07 time to throw this year. And it's been okay, right? Like this year has been okay. Previous years, you definitely want to see something better, but this year has been okay. And I think what really is kind of quirky about this is I don't really know what the Broncos are going to do. And as the GM of the team, now that this decision, like, so old GM made this decision, I'm now getting the team. Like, how do I get this team in the right place? It's going to be a really difficult conversation. But before we even get into that, what places are available to Russ, right? Like, where is Russ going to go? I think the teams at the top, right? Washington, the Patriots, the Giants, the Falcons, they they all make a little bit of sense, right? In some way, shape, or form, they all make sense. The reason I am actually going to say that I think maybe it's the Patriots and Giants that make the most sense is because those are teams that aren't extremely young. They don't have the rest of the roster really figured out. Maybe they can get this veteran now middle-of-the-pack quarterback on a cheap short-term deal because he's getting paid from the Broncos still, so it's not like he's short of cash. And maybe they can use the valuable draft picks that they do have instead of taking a risk right on a Jaden Daniels, taking a risk on a Bo Nix. They go ahead and add Russ. They get the the five-star blue-chip offensive tackle or wide receiver right in the in the early draft. And that team takes a major step forward instead of just – taking a chance on another quarterback, right? Because I feel like the Giants have taken a few chances on quarterbacks. The Patriots have taken a few chances on quarterbacks and it doesn't always work out, right? And I think that the biggest reason it doesn't work out is because they don't have the foundation for a quarterback, especially a rookie quarterback, to go there and just be successful. And that's why I think, you know, Jaden Daniels with the current Giants offensive line and current receiving crew, it's not great, right? It's not a great situation for him. But if you put Russ in that situation, you draft Fashanu to go across from Thomas, you move you move Evan Neal to guard, right? Or you use that second round pick that you have on a freaking Jacksonville or something, send him somewhere else. Come on, put him at guard. We saw what happens when they, when they just get rid of somebody. What's the old offensive tackle that's now on, uh, I think maybe Washington. Eric flowers, Eric flowers, right? He's been okay. He's a, he's a, he's a very competent guard. That's Mm -hmm. probably what Evan Neal's future looks like. Right. So use the second round pick on a wide receiver and just make that situation better for Russ to then go and be, 
even if he's an average quarterback, the situation's good, right? So that's what my take is, but what, let me know what you think. Yeah, one, uh, I mean, his best years were in run-first offenses, right? Everyone criticized Pete Carroll for not letting Russ cook. And turns out maybe he had the formula completely figured out for Russell Wilson. Run first, play action. Russ always had a pretty sort of moon ball deep pass. And that was sort of their formula for success. And when they went away from that, right, it, it wasn't as successful in Denver for, for Russell Wilson. Could it be the thumb injury because he was still performing very well until he tore those ligaments in his thumb and uh, 20 or whatever it was two years ago now? Uh, maybe he never recovered from that. I don't know. But I, I do think a, a run first system might be best for, for Russ. And it describes the Falcons because they have big receivers that can catch the ball down the field. I'm including Kyle Pitts in that mold as well, a solid offensive line, a run-oriented uh, offense and personnel. I don't believe Arthur Smith is going to be there, and I don't think he should be uh, coming up next year. We talked about that previous episode. So I do think Atlanta is a good fit, but they might want to go young, uh, given that their core is young. Maybe they want to just kind of have them grow together, which I understand too. One organization too, we see what's happening now uh, and Mason Rudolph uh, and his performance yesterday, but is the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's another sort of, you know, run first philosophical uh, team there. You mentioned, uh, you know, one of these teams here for Russ, like they're, they're kind of old. The Steelers are always old. They're just always an old team. Um, the personality uh, mesh might be uh, insane with those receivers and Russell Wilson in the same locker room, but uh, Kenny Pickett has not worked out. Uh, I don't think long-term someone like Mason Rudolph is the answer. Um, and they're not in position to draft a young franchise quarterback because of the success that they just consistently have, 17 straight winning seasons. So that might be a landing spot where they're not in position to get a young quarterback. They bring in Russell Wilson, have a decent defense, continue sort of drafting, uh, and they always seem to draft solid players, even though somehow they're 30 years old after three years. Um, and you can just kind of keep that train going and stay in contention. I think Steelers might be a, a sort of low-key good landing spot for Russ. I just can't see Tomlin and Russ together. It just seems weird. And I know there are rumors that Tomlin's going to get traded, but I don't know how on earth you trade a coach that no matter what you give him ends up with a winning record, right? That's just insanity to me. And I don't see them vibing together. The Falcons, ever since our last conversation, I cannot get out of my head that they are the perfect team to trade up and get your boy, Drake May. I think that that oh, makes a whole now. lot of sense. <laughs> I think that makes a whole lot of sense for them, right? It's like uh, they're the team that has the pieces, right? They have the offensive line. They have the receiver, the tight end, the running back, all the skill players you want. They have, you know, solid defense. They spent a lot of money on defense. Their defense is now good enough. So that situation to me is you can get away with trading a couple first round picks to get that guy that you think is going to take your team to the next level. I don't think Drake May is going to be a superstar on the Giants or the Patriots, but we talked about that range of outcomes for Drake May. And I think if you put him on the Falcons, you get the best outcome for him, right? You get that best. Maybe he's a top 10, 12 quarterback on the Falcons. So I, I, that's that's been stuck in my head. So I don't want Russ to go there. But okay, so now talking about the Broncos and their organization, we're the GM now, right? Like this mess is ours to figure out and get get us back to a successful outcome. And it starts with the coach, right? Sean Payton obviously came into this situation telling us that he had a plan and the plan's not working out really. But you traded a first round pick for this coach, right? A first round pick for a coach that ended up being, you know, pretty successful defensive interior player for the Saints now, Brian Perse. And it's saying to me, you know, what, like, what is his plan? I don't know what his plan is, right? Like this offense never really figured it out. He was supposed to be the guy that gets, gets the most out of Russ, gets the most out of Jerry Judy. Maybe he's getting the most out of Cortland Sutton, but like, do you think that Sean Payton has a plan that we're going to keep him around here? I think we might have to keep him around, but do you think he has a plan that he can be the coach to lead us to success? Yeah, you're, I don't think the timing's going to align, but you're stuck with him because you traded a first-round pick for him. And objectively, he is a good offensive coach. It is objectively not working out that way this season, but objectively, he is a good coach. Not getting into anything else that about Sean Payton and some of the episodes that we've seen with him this season even. But uh, you're stuck with him. You trade a first-round pick. It's kind of like when you draft a player in the first round, you kind of keep giving them chances, even if they are not performing up to task. That's what's happening right now with Sean Payton, or rather what's going to happen over the next couple of years, uh, because the roster is a mess and 
the money situation is going to be a mess now because Russell Wilson is on the books for $80 million by himself, either next year or spread out over two years. There is, there is no way out of that uh, number. Okay, Russell Wilson is going to account for uh, $39 million in 2024. Uh, then I think it's 35, um, or excuse me, 45 million dead cap in 2025 if he becomes a June, a post June one cut. So you're on the hook. There's $80 million now that you are not going to have over the next two years that you otherwise would have. So it's bad enough that you traded draft picks, okay, two firsts plus and some players for Russell Wilson, but you also sunk a huge contract into him and things just did not work out. So the, 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 the true objective answer is there is no fix for this in 2024 or even really 2025. Uh, that's just the true answer. But in the nature of the NFL, when you can outline these plans, but owners and fans get, you know, itchy Twitter fingers and they're impatient and they want to make a move because things aren't working out after 24 months. Um, you know, that derails some things. And that's when you kind of spiral as an organization. So uh, that's not me advocating keeping Sean Payton, no matter what, that's just me saying, the roster is not good. The money situation is not good. You don't even have a second round pick as we sit here today uh, for the 2024 draft. So you don't even have all the assets you need to just in the draft try to improve your roster. So it's a mess. You just have to eat it. Actions have consequences. Misses have consequences. You missed on a franchise quarterback after a two-pronged approach of basically depleting the draft and salary assets for him. It is what it is. You messed up. Now you got to you gotta eat the pavement for a little bit and just kind of go into the submarine and toil in the dark. And then you kind of emerge in about three years with, you know, uh, some young players that you kind of accrued over the last two years and, and see what happens. But there is no quick fix. There just isn't. That's just a tough pill to swallow if you're a Broncos fan. But it's the truth. So I'm going to actually just go right into the what I don't like section because some of the things you said aligned with that, right? So Sean Payton, if you go back and look at his time with the Saints, there were a few draft classes that he got the absolute most out of the players, right? There was the Ramcheck draft where he got like Lattimore and a few other guys that all were like studs, right? And he got the most out of those players. And that's something you kind of come to expect of a coach of his standard, right? Like he's one of those coaches that we thought was a top coach in the NFL. One of my biggest concerns is that the draft class that he had in his first year back, right? He had a whole offseason to scout these guys, right? He was not coaching anywhere. And part of the reason people were speculating is because he was going to scout, he was going to be ready to go, draft his guys, and get this team to the right place. But you look at the guys that they've drafted, right? Like Nick Bonito, Drew Sanders, Riley Moss, Marvin Mims. Like these guys are all struggling. None of these guys are really performing at a level that you would say they're competent starters. So is Sean Payton getting the most out of these young players or like, that's kind of the conversation I need to have with you is if he's the guy, is he going to really stay around for three years and wait till this thing gets figured out? And if he's the guy, shouldn't he be getting more out of these players? You're a little tough on Marvin Mims. Uh, and if you did listen to us pre-draft, we did say Drew Sanders might take some time. Okay. Uh, maybe that was more me uh, being a big Sanders Drew guy. Sanders. I was a big Sanders guy, but as being a big Sanders guy, I always said he's going to take some time. So, you know, let's give him some time. You know, I always say I don't like to draft rookies for what they're going to do for me in their rookie season. Um, but overall, yeah. And, and BFF talks about this is how you could be the greatest scout in the world. What the, and I think the saints were an example of this, of how that type of hit rate is just not sustainable. They had that fantastic draft class. I think it was maybe two out of three years where it was just, it was just absurd. Their hit rate. But that type of thing is not sustainable no matter how good you are, even if you scout all these players down to the T. Just circumstances in general with injuries and such will just happen to where you're you're going to revert back to the mean. It It is the law of averages. Law is a strong word there and the key word there. Um, so I, it's just tough. I, I think the the ability to scout is still there, especially – and we're talking about Russell Wilson here at the quarterback position, right? Sean Payton is the one who found Tony Romo when he was an undrafted guy out of Houston, Illinois, and said, this is the guy. He lobbied for him hard in Dallas, uh, and they kept Romo as a fourth quarterback for a while back in the Quincy Carter days, whatever it was. Um, 
before Quincy Carter, I think, was like cut from the team for, for over weed as a starting quarterback, which looking back now is just absurd. That would never happen in today's game. But in any event, so Sean Payton still has that that eye. Um, will it matter given the the situation that that they're just sort of stuck in now? I don't I don't think so. And it's tough. You could have the eye, but there could just not be a Tony Romo just kind of muddling around in there, you know, in the undrafted ranks or in day three of the draft or whatever. It just doesn't work that way. It's not, it's not just because you have the eye for it means that one's going to show up. So I think they're just stuck. They're just stuck. They're not going to be able to draft a franchise quarterback um, this year anyway. And if they do, that guy will struggle. And they don't have a good enough roster around them to compete otherwise or make up for any deficiency that they're going to have at quarterback. So yeah, they're just stuck. Sean Payne's going to have to lean into his scouting just on the periphery, right? For the rest of the roster and address quarterback likely next year is just the way I see it. Okay. So let's talk about what else I don't like. So we talked about the Russ contract on the books. That is horrendous. I don't like that. Right. Um, I still don't really know if Javante Williams or Jerry Judy are guys that I want to pay, right? And their deals are coming it's up. Not so his that's, fault. It's not Judy's fault. It's definitely concerning. Yeah, right. Uh, the amount of expiring contracts in the next couple of years is definitely concerning. So not this upcoming year, but the year after, you have Pat Sertan, you have Simmons, DJ Jones on the defense, all expiring. On the offense, you have Quinn Mernez, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, Javante Williams, and uh, Samaj P. Ryan all expiring as well. So you were losing a bulk of your starting roster in the next couple of years. And again, some of these guys are still not guys that you know you want to pay. So that to me is really concerning. Um, and then I said the poor results from the young guys. And uh, besides that, the second worst defense in the league with very little star power. Those are all things I don't like. What I like, uh, not much, right? There is not much on this roster for me to like, but it does seem like the offensive line is at least stable. Um, so that's definitely encouraging, right? You have Garrett Bowles, Mike McGlinchey, Mirnez, Powers at guard, and then Cushenberry at center. Uh, that's great. You look at the the Powers and McGlinchey signings, and they haven't been all that they've been, you know, they got massive deals, right? So they haven't lived up to that, but they have been good. Uh, but I talked about how some of these contracts, Mirnez is expiring. You're going to lose piece of that offensive line potentially. So figure out what to do there. Uh, that's a positive. Cortland Sutton playing the best football of his career. That's encouraging. But with a guy like that, do you know that it's going to be sustained? I don't. He's also already like 28 years old. So how much longer are you really going to have that? Uh, and then Pat Sertan. Love Pat Sertan. He's a top three corner in the league. That's it. That is my list. Ray, what don't you like? What do you like? Anything else? Yeah. Offensive line is stable and Pat Sertan. That's it. That's it. Justin Simmons already 30 years old. Uh, Corlin Sutton, again, like you mentioned, he's 28 years old. He has that major knee injury in his history. So, again, if we're thinking that we basically have to just bite the pavement for two years – and then see where we and then finally start to build again, then he's already 30 plus years old. We're not going to sink big money into that. We're just, we're just not, he's not going to be a core player for the future. So uh, yeah, it's just one of those deals where you ride it out and then that's it. When that's it, uh, little Jordan Humphrey, all of a sudden is just balling out of his mind. Um, <laughs> so we'll see that maybe they found something there and you I think he's a free agent too. Yeah, but you know, he's not gonna he's not gonna command big money. You know, that might be someone you can kind of keep around for for a, an affordable deal there. If 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 you believe that this is sustain, sustainable and that he can kind of keep this up, um, Miners has proven me wrong. He's gotten better every single year. Maybe that's a piece at twenty five years old you want to keep uh, as well along the line. But yeah, other than that, you need pass rush. Uh, you're hoping at the second level that uh, Drew Sanders grows and, and kind of develops. I mean, uh, you drafted him for a reason. Um, we mentioned Sertan already and yeah, Simmons is old. Uh, wow. That, that came out kind of harsh, but yeah, that, that, that's it. There's no real cornerstone guy. When you look at this roster and go, yes, this is the bedrock of a contending roster outside of Patrick Sertan second. It's, it's a really rough situation. It really is. And, uh, so I, I was going to pause there when you were talking about little Jordan Humphrey, that's his name. Yeah, little Jordan Humphrey. Yeah, I don't know why it's like blanking. You can't sign him. The Broncos are projected to be 20 million over the cap 
next year, right? So like just to make things more complicated, you have to restructure a bunch of deals just to play football next year, right? Like just to be able to play football next year as a team, you have to get $20 million off of your book somehow, which probably means you're going to spread it over multiple years, which you obviously don't want to do with this roster. So very concerning there. And Lloyd Cushenberry is going to be a free agent. Uh, Josie Jewell is going to be a free agent. Jewell, we didn't talk about him, but he has been a promising player on that defense, middle linebacker. I think he's going to have a big market. He's gone. Like somebody else is going to sign him. You cannot sign him. And then Cushenberry, he's probably gone too, because again, you're 20 million over the cap right now. So you can't bring these guys back. At least I don't think so. Do you have a, like, I mean, are you really going to restructure guys in a way that you're going to push this money down the road when you want your future to be brighter? Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think it may be feasible to restructure stuff to the effect where you can bring back guys like little Jordan Humphrey, if you want to, because that's not going to be a big deal. But Someone like uh, Josie Jewell, uh, someone like Lloyd Cushenberry, who's gotten better every single year since he's entered the league, that's going to be tough. And boy, that's a shame. I, what a mess. Um, yeah, so I think I think you can only bring back those lower, and I say lower level, might mean more to the Broncos than other teams, like a little Jordan Humphrey. I think those are the guys you bring back. Everyone else, if they have a, a legitimate market outside of Denver, they're gone. And and they should be because again, you're gonna you're gonna sign them here for what? You're gonna keep them for big money for what? You 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 don't know who your quarterback is gonna be. You don't have a stable foundation for your roster for the next couple of years. It has to be built from the ground up. So why even bother? At this point, just eat it. Do not kick the can down the road and have to pay that credit card bill later for for players that are gonna be, you know, aging out by the time team. you're contending. Yeah. So with that, right, just before we even get into like how we can start attacking this to make it better, you're $20 million over the cap. You you don't have a starting quarterback. Your center's gone and your middle linebacker's gone. So we now have three holes we're creating in addition to what the roster is already missing. And we're $20 million over the cap. That's That's the GM's job that we have right now to try to make this better. Going into free agency... They have no money. So there, there really is nothing I can do in free agency. You spent a ton of money on Mike McGlinchey, Zach Allen, Tim Patrick. You also invested in Simmons, Bowles, Sutton. So like you spent a lot of money on players, some of them very, very underachieving players that that's why you're in this position, right? You can't just go and spend money on, on middle of the pack free agents and give them top of the pack money and expect that things work out. I think that's kind of what this Broncos organization is going through. But again, you can't really spend money on free agency this year. I think, you know, to your point, you got to do a really good job of finding those cheap, cheap, cheap guys that you had a scouting report on from five years ago have underachieved. And you're thinking, okay, I could get the most out of this guy. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, the only bright side is right now, they only have 150 million committed in 2025 with the Russ money. So you have about a hundred million the year after to work with. I don't want to spend any of that right now, right? Like I, I want that to be for me next year to figure out. I don't think this is the year for me to go spend that future money. Yeah. It's like that famous Dave Ramsey call where he had to tell like whoever was on the other end of the phone, like you are going to spend no money for the next four years. And this doesn't have to be four years, but this, this is more like a year, uh, maybe two, but you are going to spend no money and just pay off all your debt. The, the Broncos are in, we have to now answer to the debt that we uh, created for ourselves. And it's, it's that simple. Yes, you can get creative and, and you can even convince me if we're in the room, I, you have to see the specific contracts, but if you can get creative in a way that brings back Cushenberry because he's a 26 year old center and that's the, you know, the spine of your offensive line. And if, if you're going to bring a young quarterback in over the next two years, you kind of want that. Okay, fine. But how are you going to do that? Uh, I think is, is the key. The devil's in the details there. Um, but philosophically you just, you have to eat it. Yeah. Unfortunately. And now we're at the part of, uh, the, the, the so we've done nothing in free agency, right? We haven't, we, we got some, you know, we maybe got someone that has a history with Sean Payton from the saints or something that came in on a vet min, minimum deal or something that that's all we've done. That's there's all we've a, done. There's dudes that have done a ton of stretching on other teams benches, right? Like that's yes. we're, we brought those guys in. And the really hard part now is we have to go and say, who should we trade away? Right. Like besides the holes that we have with the little money that we have with negative money, who are we trading away? And I think it starts with Jerry Judy. Right. Like I think Judy is 
valuable to other teams. I don't know why, but he is, right? Like people still think that he's good and he's 24 years old. Um, I think you have to start there and you have to trade him away. I think that he's still valuable enough where there are teams that will give you either a late second round pick or an early third round pick for this player for the last year of his deal. And you, you take that every day. Like you said earlier, Ray, they don't have a second round pick right now. So if I can get a third round pick, an early third round pick for Judy, I'm going to take that deal. So I think that's one I'm going to do. Would you trade Judy? You might be getting a fourth. Um, but yeah, I would, I would trade Judy. And um, if, if I understand correctly, that might free up 12 million right there uh, of base salary. It doesn't seem like he has a, a signing uh, bonus sort of attributed to 2024. So yeah, maybe, maybe that frees up some cash for you, but uh, yeah, you have to trade Judy because that, that marriage is just not working out. He's not going to be there for the long, t- long haul. So get rid of him. You signed Tim Patrick for some reason instead. Um, I, I, I can understand why Jerry Judy isn't exactly, you know, and endearing himself to, to this regime. So I get it, even though it's not his fault. Yeah. Right. Okay. But you're going to get a fourth. You're not going to get a third. In my thing, I have a third, so just give it to me because God, this this team sucks, right? And this isn't even me like blowing smoke. Like, I think that there is a. You team said out this there. team sucks word for word. It's not blowing smoke. No, no, no. I'm saying like I'm I'm saying like giving me the third, right? Because I do think that there are teams out there that will give a late third for Jerry Judy. They were asking for like a first round pick, and that's why it didn't happen, right? And like I think they were like we're asking for a first, we'll settle on a second. Not bad, but at the end of the day, it's like. <laughs> This is like a fourth round pick player, but if you settle on a third, maybe you can actually get something done. I think there are teams out there. And especially like there are a bunch of Alabama players out there that probably will vouch for Judy, right? And like say, like, that's a guy, go get him. Like we want him. Like you're he telling me, guy. like, uh-huh. you're telling me Mike McDaniels won't just give an exuberant amount of picks to get Jerry Judy if Tua thinks that Judy's a, a boss, right? Like that'll happen. They they're set at receiver. They're set. Doesn't, yeah, they were set at running Judy back. Doesn't run were, fast enough. They have like twenty-five touchdowns with the running back crew, and they were like going all in on Jonathan Taylor, right? Like it, this is a team that doesn't say enough's enough. Yeah. And all right, let's move on. Lost by thirty-five. Okay, go to continue. Justin Simmons, yeah. Justin Simmons, thirty years old. I think you could get maybe like a fifth and a seventh for him because he's super old. You're not going to get a, a, a lot for him, but he is a really talented player that's still performing very, very well. So again, I think there are teams out there that would maybe give you like that fifth and a seventh. You agree on that? I wouldn't do it. Um, Trading for him. Yeah, you yeah I, it's just not a player I trade for. I, I don't trade for 30-year-olds. Um, hardly ever. But <laughs> but you know that already. Yep. Sure, someone might, but I think it, I, it's the conditional kind, you know, that, that, that stupid trade. And it might not even be for a 2024 pick. It might be 2025. It might be one right. of those deals. Um, but yeah, you get him off the books, you get him off the books, you get a little asset. Yeah, it's whatever. Right. And I think the last guy here is DJ Jones, 28 years old. I think you can still get something for him. He's still playing pretty well. I think that's probably again, like maybe a fourth or fifth round pick for a guy like that because he is talented and he isn't 30. I think you could get maybe a fourth. I wouldn't give you anything more than a six. We're not talking about you, buddy. Like, this, you know, if the Palm is the GM, of this team, I'm the GM. <laughs> you're the GM of trading away the player. Maybe I, I've been on both sides of this coin here, right? DJ Jones, <laughs> not a guy. He doesn't, he doesn't excite me. All right. Well, draft capital wise, right? We're, we talked about, they didn't have a second round pick. So I traded Judy. Um, I have a first now I got three third round picks. And the reason I have three is because I'm trading back in the first round. We'll get to that. But uh, first round pick, I got three thirds. And then you have some fourths, fifths, and sevenths from the other trades with DJ Jones and Justin Simmons. But okay, so like the first round pick, I have my own. Right now it's projected to be, I think, pick 14. That was of last week. It might have improved a little bit. Well, no, they won, so it probably got even worse. Oh, yeah, shoot. Okay, look that up. Tell me what pick they had. I'm going to go on Tankathon. You know, this is is live radio here. Uh, As (laughs) long as Tankathon has been updated in the last uh, 15 hours or so, then I'll pick 14. Okay. So uh, eight, yeah. So they still have pick 14. Okay. So pick 14 in my mind right now, there are two quarterbacks that I think are worthy of top 10 picks, but I do believe that Jaden uh, Daniels is good enough that he will be a top 10 pick, right? Like we talked about him, teams like him, he's got the running ability. I think somebody's going to go out there and get him. So now you're talking about at pick 14, 
you're you're dealing with probably the fourth or fifth best quarterback in this draft. There are some guys that I plan on watching, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy, that might be interesting to the Broncos. This team is in such rough shape. To me, that's not what I would do, right? I, w- I just wouldn't do that. That's not me. So I think there is a situation where you can trade back to a team like maybe the Cardinals, right? The Cardinals have a lot of picks in this draft. They might be a team saying, hey, there's an edge rusher like your boy from Penn State, Chop Robinson, that's that's there at 14, and they want to trade up and make sure they get their edge rusher to pair with, you know, the receiver they got and the quarterback that they have to really like bring that core together. I think that that's a team that might do something like that. And you don't have to trade back far, right? So I think right now the Cardinals pick is like pick 16 or something like that. Their, their other pick. So if you come away with trading that pick, so 14 for 16, maybe you get, you know, again, I said I got an additional third for that. So you get uh, pick 16, you get an additional third. And I think that's fine. And I think that there are enough good edge rushers in this draft class where you trade back with the Cardinals because they want to get their guy. But I think there are plenty of guys for you to get. And I think that's what I would do with the Broncos right now is I would try to start to build this defense. You have the offensive line. You have a couple of receivers that you're, you know, Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton that are on the books. You have Javante Williams. You obviously need the quarterback, but you're not going to do it at pick 16. So I'm going to go next valuable position on defense, which to me is edge rusher. And I'm thinking Dallas Turner might be there, right? So if Chop Robinson goes 14, I'm taking Dallas Turner at 16, and I'm starting to build some identity in that defense. Okay. Um, similar. Similar to what I did. A uh, little different, though. So I also traded back from 14. I think we're on the same page here, which is essentially this roster has so many holes that we just need to acquire talent and more of it to make up for the assets that we lost over the last couple of years with the rust deal. So I'm also trading back in in this case, I trade back from 14 to 22 uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars who in my simulation were interested in trading up. So I trade back from 14 to 22 and picked up picks 54 and 96. So we pick up, we now have a second round pick and an additional third rounder. So we move six picks further back than, than you did but we did pick up that uh, second rounder as a result. Uh, and then who, are, who is Jacksonville for you, for you being the guy that's like saying, Oh, like I would never, you're not getting a fourth for Judy. Why are Jacksonville trading up to that pick? What did they want? I don't know. My mock simulator refreshed, but it was someone on defense. <laughs> God. Okay. So who are you uh, getting a pick? Whatever, 22, 24. Whatever. So we are taking cornerback Terry on Arnold. So both Dallas Turner and chop Robinson are gone. So the, the, the two, in my opinion, premier edge rushers in this class are, are gone. Okay, that, that stinks, but that's sort of the cost of doing business here for, for trading back. Uh, and we need a cornerback anyway, right? And so the last time we took a cornerback from Alabama worked pretty darn well. Uh, and Terry and Arnold is, is another one, and we're going to see him a little later today uh, in the college football playoff, right? But um, another talented corner. Uh, we talked about how the secondary is going to need pieces. We, we, we talked about what we're going to do with Justin Simmons, so we're going to be weak uh, at safety as well. You're going to need some strong cornerback play in front of that last line of defense. So we went ahead and took Terry on Arnold 22nd overall and now have another pick in the or a pick in the second round. Uh, and then like you, three picks in the third. So tell me, since you have the next pick in the second round, I don't have a second round pick. What are you doing in the second round? Uh, that's that's right. Um, who did I pick? Uh, so in the second round, I took Jonah Ellis, the edge rusher from Utah uh, at pick 54. So we did ad- address edge at this point, um, close to the best player on the board, position of need, um, maybe not the total bendy screaming off the edge player like a chop. Uh, is but a a really well rounded and still sort of you know powerful explosive player uh, in Jonah Ellis from Utah uh, at pick fifty four in the second round. So we've now addressed corner and edge. So we're really starting to hit the defense pretty hard here. Okay, so we we both came out of it with an edge. You got a cornerback. So I kind of think I like my plan a little bit better. Like if we're if we're it's your plan, of course you're gonna like it better. Yeah, but I think the people are gonna like it better. And and the reason being is because you need don't speak for the people. I'm speaking (laughs) for the people. It's because you need you need blue chip players, right? And like I think Dallas Turner is a guy that could be. I'm not saying he is. I'm saying he could be. He's got the talent. He's got the physical attributes. 
he could end up being a really talented edge rusher for you. I like Ellis. I drafted him, I think, last episode for the Falcons, maybe. Um, I like him a lot, but I think that you know you need you need a guy that's going to be a surefire thing, and I think Dallas Turner gets you closer to that. Also, yes, like a corner is important, but you have your cornerback one, right? So like you're getting a corner two instead of getting edge rusher one just to move from a, a second to a third or a third to a second. I'm I'm still getting the edge rusher in the first round, and then uh, they're both okay. weighed the same. They're both weighed the same, Chris. Yeah, one, two. Anyway. So now it's my turn and we're in the third round. I guess we both have third round picks. So I'll just say the three that I had here and then, or the two that I had here and then you can do yours. But uh, I had Christian Haynes guard from UConn. I just want to add to the offensive line at some point because you're lo- losing Cushionberry and then you could might possibly lose play a, center. Yeah, could possibly play center. And then you're losing another guy next year, potentially in, in Mjernes. So like it, that offensive line, the interior could get weak very quickly. I want to make sure that that does not happen uh, before I get my franchise quarterback. And then uh, Javon Bullard, safety from Georgia, replaces Simmons because you need to, right? Like you need to add to that defensive back group. So I'm doing that. And then the third uh, pick that I had, I said best defensive interior available. Again, I haven't watched all the film on these guys yet. So I'm just adding a body to that defensive interior group, getting it younger. I traded away DJ Jones, right? So need to get the safety replacement, the defensive interior replacement, got a guard replacement. So I kind of handled that piece of it. So the things that are still missing that just are there today is the quarterback. And uh, I didn't get to do that yet. Right. I'm going to do that next year. So who, so who is, did you have a specific guy for defensive interior? You're just saying I do BPA. Not. BPA. Okay. Got it. Okay. So in the third round, uh, I took another wide receiver. This is before little Jordan Humphrey went super saiyan. Um, but I took uh, Tory Horton, the wide receiver from Colorado state, big body guy that I like can get downfield. Uh, really good player uh, at CSU. Uh, excited about him. Can be a, a very good sort of, I'm not sure he's a prototype number one, but a very good number two in the league, uh, which in the third round is is a very valuable pick. Uh, and then at 96, uh, I took another, so like you, focusing on the defensive interior, I took Tyleek Williams uh, from Ohio State. Another just really good, well-rounded player um, really anchored that defensive line. And in my opinion, was the most consistent disruptor on that defensive line. Um, JT Tumolo, obviously different play, you know, position edge power player as well, but had the highest flashes. But I think most consistently was Tyleek Williams on that line. So similar to you, we're addressing uh, the defensive interior as well. But I think by and large, what we're really doing more than anything else is just taking good players when and however we can, because again, this is a multi-year rebuild. So we don't want to necessarily pigeonhole ourselves to one position in 2024 when we're really looking at this from a broader point of view over the next couple of years, as far as just upgrading the overall talent on the roster. So it is more of a BPA approach than anything else is what I think I want to hammer home for, for those listening. I think we're on the same page there. Yeah. And, and it's building the foundation of a strong defense, right? Like we need the strong defense. We already have strong offensive line. So to me, those are the foundational pieces that I need before I add my cornerback uh, excuse me, my my quarterback and my receiver, right? Like I want those things in place. And the Broncos might have the receiver in in Sutton if he can stay healthy for you know the next couple of years and be there for a rookie quarterback. I don't know yet. So I think you know we haven't really done this where we said, okay, what are we doing in twenty twenty five or you know in the draft? And I don't think that's that's reasonable to do here. So I think what we're just kind of getting to is the Broncos need to trade away valuable assets while they have them. They need to start to build the foundation on defense and they need to get their money right, right? Like they need to just get the money right and just be prepared that next year is going to be a really rough year. Uh, Chance that Jared Stidham is the starting quarterback next year, probably pretty high, unfortunately. Uh, But I think that that's okay. I think that's okay. And, you know, you kind of ride that wave. Don't you want Jameis over there? Isn't that like your thing? Don't you want Jameis Winston to... Get back and over there. <laughs> yeah, be anywhere basically, no. but especially here. No, I wanted him on the Falcons because it would have been hilarious. Got it. Um, okay. Yeah, but yeah, that, that's basically it. You just the Broncos have to get their house in order. It mm-hmm. just is what it is. They're better for it. If you try to microwave a solution here, you're never gonna get to where you ultimately want to be. You're just gonna be treading water for for years, and you can't you can't bring in 
a young quarterback into this situation. It's not going to work out well. The pieces aren't there. It's not the right environment. So make it the right environment. Clean up your room, get your house in order, and then come back. All right. The bank will give you a loan when you're ready and you qualify. Right now, you don't qualify for it. You don't. So we got to send you out, you know, out the door and on your merry way. Exactly. And again, I want to just thank everybody that has been leaving comments on these podcasts. We love them. Please keep them coming. Uh, and there was one that we didn't address yet. So I wanted to talk about it really quickly. Somebody asked, they said, Hey, you guys are the experts. You're talking about Jaden Daniels. You didn't give him a comp. You've been giving guys comps. You didn't give Jaden Daniels a comp. I'm going to speak for myself and say, the reason being that I didn't give Jaden Daniels a comp, and I don't know if this is a really good thing or a really bad thing, but there really aren't a lot of quarterbacks in today's NFL that I see his game mirror, right? I think that the legs, obviously we talked about them mirroring Lamar's to a lesser extent. That's fine. But him as a pocket throwing quarterback, I talked about the touch that I really like the touch. I don't see that with a lot of other guys in today's game. He His deep ball to me is very subpar. That doesn't really float in today's NFL, right? Like you need to be able to stretch the field. I think guys like Tua who are uber, uber accurate get away with not being super strong-armed. I don't think Jaden Daniels that. I don't think he has that kind of super uh, superior accuracy to his game. He's a good quarterback. I think he's he's worth taking a shot on. And again, I don't know if the reason I can't get a comp for him is because, you know, he's not worthy of being an NFL quarterback or if it's because there's not something exactly like him. So maybe teams won't be able to game plan for him as well, right? And he's going to bring something completely new to the game that will help him be successful. That's that's kind of my take. I don't really have a good comp for him, right? But maybe you do. No, I, I, I really don't because... Like you said, he's a lesser Lamar Jackson mobility-wise, which is fine because he's still very mobile. But Lamar Jackson is an easier thrower of the football and and just a better passer at this point in time. And and really, I think ceiling is higher than Jaden Daniels is with uh, when it comes to just being a pure thrower of the football. So I don't really have one either. And I don't think it's necessarily bad because, I, I mean – we could sit here and just throw out a name, but it doesn't really mean much because, I mean, I've seen thrown out there by people who will then grade Jaden Daniels in the middle of the first round, say that his player comp is Tyrod Taylor. And again, that, and that's fine because you're talking stylistically, right? Where mobile, but not like Mike Vick, Lamar Jackson mobile, right? I think Jaden Daniels is a more mobile player than, Tyrod Taylor even ever was, but that's not to discount what a young Tyrod Taylor could do with his legs. Um, but being a raw passer combined with that level of mobility, we we haven't really seen it. And and again, that's it's, it's a pretty good thing because we've seen his level of raw passing ability, but not with the mobility that kind of helps him along the way or could help him along the way if, like we mentioned, he's quote unquote responsible with that and can kind of protect himself as a young player doesn't fall into the Anthony Richardson trap uh, because we've seen him take big hits in college that he just will not get up from the same in the NFL. So I don't have one. And I, I, I think we've said this before. We don't want to be the guys that throw out a comp just to throw one out. We want to believe in the comp that we give you. And if, if we have one, we will say it. If we don't, that doesn't mean it's a bad thing for the player that we're not comping to, to someone else. Um, because that sort of uniqueness is 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 a good thing, uh, or could be a good thing. So, yeah, I don't I don't really have one. He's a good set of tools that has some positive traits from other quarterbacks and some positive traits for some others, and you know, kind of the weaknesses or things that need improvement that mirror some other quarterbacks. And so, he's just kind of an assemblage of different of different traits and strengths and weaknesses. And that's not necessarily one player that we could point to that's active or from the recent past that we say, yep, that's, that's it. It's, it's its own kind of unique beast. And that's, and that's totally okay. It's not a bad thing for us to not comp uh, someone specifically for Jaden Daniels. And with all that said, his comp is, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I, I will say that one thing that's like positive is we talked about how he got better every year, right? So like 
even if there are things that are lacking and that we think are really rough, doesn't mean that he's not going to figure it out because he's proven that he can figure it out. So I do like and that he part. Was, ooh, just because you said better every year. One player we mentioned got better every year, except for 2023, which is what I tried to tell you all. I think you know what I'm about to say here, Chris, but Jalen Hurts got better every single year from like freshman in college to 2022. Um, and again, high level, mobile, not Lamar Jackson, uh, not the greatest passer, kind of raw coming in, bit inaccurate. I think Jaden Daniels was a better passer at this stage of his career than Jalen Hurts is. For those of you who listen, that's not necessarily the highest praise for Jaden Daniels either. Um, but that's something you could look at if you just want a broad prototype or or sort of picture in your head of a player who still needs a lot of refinement, but is mobile and has shown improvement throughout his game over time. Jalen hurts different body type and such, but there you go. If, if, if that's, if that makes you feel better, I can be done with this, but I'm just going to put one more name out there just to see what you have to say about it. Is he better in the quarterback or are there similarities as him as like a pocket quarterback to Kenny Pickett? Cause you talk about him having an, uh, like an undersized arm, maybe struggling with some accuracy, relying on athleticism, mm. No, you don't think so. No, because I, I think there's more to unlock there with Jaden Daniels. I think some, I think, and we talked about this in his episode, I think some of the issues with uh, arm strength or the deep ball with him can be unlocked with better lower body mechanics. Where Kenny Pickett, I think it is just physical limitations. Uh, and he's just up against that ceiling and that's just all there is to it, where I think there's more there with Jaden Daniels. Cool. All right. Well, Probably much bigger we, hands too. Probably. Well, we answered your question. Like I said, keep them coming. We love them. We'll answer them on here. We'll answer them just directly uh, if we have time. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you haven't yet, please give us a review wherever you watch or listen to your podcasts. And give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at all22 underscore PFF. And thanks for tuning in today. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I'm a ghost.